Welcome to The Rot Focus, a podcast for rotters, newbies, and veterans, and everyone in between. We're hosted by M.A. Lee with the assistance of Remy Black and Edie Runes, all from Rotters Inc. Books. Our focus is productivity, process, craft, and tools. Each episode lasts as long as it takes to fix a quick dinner, drive a short commute, or take a brisk walk. Resources and links are in the show notes. Visit us at therockfocus.blogspot.com. Now, on to this week's episode. Welcome to The Rock Focus. I'm so glad that you're going to have an interview with us. Please tell us your writing name and the books that you have available. I'm Heather Widener, and I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I write Cozy Mysteries. I write the... Jules Keen Glamping series. And then I have a new series called the Mermaid Bay Christmas Shop Mysteries. They come out in January. And then I have a traditional PI series, uh, the Delaney Fitzgerald Mysteries. Okay, great. And how long have you been publishing those? Uh, let's see, about 10 years. Okay. The Delaney right. ones are the oldest. Okay. Did you go straight into Cozy Mysteries or did you tinker with other things before you hit that? started with short stories I'm part of a group called Sisters in Crime and our chapter had an anthology and I did four or five short stories for those and some novellas and I always go back to cozy mysteries I mean that always ties into my Nancy Drew roots and Agatha Christie Mm -hmm. I just love them I'm having a good time they're fun to write are you uh, any published or are you traditionally published I'm traditionally published okay so you had to find an agent didn't you? How did you go about that? Well, it was a long process. <laughs> it was a very, very long process. I had a publisher, a traditional publisher before I had an agent, and that was with the uh, PI series. Mm-hmm. And then when I got the rights back to that, I'm a hybrid on that one because I've released two more since then. And uh-huh. uh, the new one comes out next week, actually. So the fourth one will be out next next week. But right. it was a um. At first, I kind of did the shotgun approach, just any agent that had mystery in the title or was interested in that. And I would send out 15, 20 queries every couple of weeks. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it would be months before you'd hear anything back. And I talked to some friends and some writers groups and they said, well, why don't you try focusing? Go out there, do your homework, look at every book that you like and see who their agents are. And I did. I focused it to five and I sent Mm -hmm. out five queries and a really detailed synopsis and I got two offers from from the five so that was exciting so I think that was a good idea great great and who's your publisher or do you have more than one uh, I do have more than one my primary publisher is level best books mm-hmm. and uh, they have the two series right and then I have different contracts because like the audio books are with two different companies and there's a book club edition and that's with another series so you have to keep up with all these different contracts for the different series I do it started out as a nice little hobby and then all of a sudden it became contracts and marketing and sales tax (laughs) it became so being a writer is not just the creative aspect it's also the the business aspect exactly I thought writers wrote books and got checks I thought that (laughs) that's what they do and then my first contract came back and it said you're going to have a website and a blog and be on LinkedIn and Pinterest and Twitter and Facebook and I thought when am I going to write my next book (laughs) (laughs) 
but it is true. It's a lot. You have to balance. Right. And then there's life on the other side, you know, your family and your friends and your day job. And um, Tell me about how you started writing. Um, you know, what were your first ventures and how you started to, to firm up the idea of writing and what you wanted to write? How did you decide and go through that process? I think I've always written. I mean, even as a I made picture books when I was little and I journaled for years. I was a technical writer. That was my first full-time job. So I've done a lot of nonfiction procedure manuals and processes and things like that. So writing was always there and I love to read. I mean, it was always, it went from Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys to Agatha Christie to Alfred Hitchcock. And those were just, you know, gateway books because it just became murder mystery and true crime I have two manuscripts in the drawer that will never see the light of day. I mean, they were, they were attempts and it was a good, you know, good start and a good way mm -hmm. to, to practice because you don't, I didn't realize when I started, I just wrote. And if it ended up being 25 chapters or 400 chapters, it was just the book. <laughs> then I realized it's a business and you have to have a word count and it has to mm -hmm. fit your genre. And yeah, there's a lot of rules. <laughs> right. And to me, that first idea of, wait a minute, I can't just play with my writing. If mm -hmm. I really want to do something with it, I have to have a focus. And it 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 was hard to flip that switch. Mm -hmm. start thinking about, okay, I have my day job, but writing wants to be the job that I want to do. So it's what I need to, I need to head at it as in a smart way, as opposed to just tinkering every night. Right. The tinkering took me five years to write the first book, and then it took mm -hmm. another two years to get published. Mm -hmm. And I probably dabbled with it, you know, eh, probably another year in there somewhere. So it took a while. I have gotten faster because I've decided I did the same thing. I've compartmentalized. I get up at five o'clock. I write before work. I'll edit or write during my lunch hour if it's a work day. Mm -hmm. And then if I didn't hit my word count, then I'll work, you know, work on the nights and weekends. But mm -hmm. I, I'm getting faster. I can do about three books a year now. So, so you, uh, you're like me. I like to set a word count that mm -hmm. I need to go for. Um, but it's really hard for me on days when I'm doing revision or mm -hmm. when I'm editing or something like that to, to sit back and say, okay, I have to do, I have to do this today. Otherwise my, project won't get finished and I can move on to the next one. How do you, how do you judge that? Um, I try not to be too hard on myself because there are some days where I just don't feel like writing. So mm -hmm. I'll kind of make a compromise and say, all right, I'm going to work on my website or my social media sites, mm -hmm. or I'm going to do marketing today. And, and that kind of, at least I'm doing something or write a couple of blog posts and schedule them. I try to do on work days, a thousand words a day. And then I try to do 3000 on days that I'm off. And if mm -hmm. I do that consistently, I can finish the book in about two months first draft. Right. Right. And then it takes another couple of months to hone that down and get it right. Mm -hmm. But I do have, I, I am scheduled and they laugh at me because I'm answering email at five o'clock in the morning. And I said, I'm just a morning person. <laughs> Don't call me at 1030 at night. <laughs> No, really, we're in bed by then. That's right. <laughs> so we can get up early and do our thing. Um, what did you? Uh, what do you think you did wrong 
when you first started in those five years where you were like spinning your wheels, but you were slowly advancing, what do you think were the, the wrong things that you did? And then how did you correct them? That's a hard question, I know. It is, it is. And it may be wrong for me at the time. And for other writers, what I offer, if it helps you use it, if it doesn't, I mean, mm-hmm. really there's, I mean, following the, you know, breaking the rules, that's wrong. But I mean, if some people say, I want to write after midnight and I'm better at night, then do what works with your family and your schedule. Mm-hmm. I think revising, I never finished that first draft. It took years, years and years because I would write five chapters and go back and rewrite them. And then I'd write six more and then I go back and read it and start writing again. And I learned from Mary Burton many years ago. She said, just write, get it on paper, just write. Mm -hmm. Don't go back and reread previous chapters, you know, make a note and keep going. Mm -hmm. That that was a, a very important thing for me. The idea of finishing, finish this, this project. Mm-hmm. And th- before you start tinkering with it and before you start revising or editing or, or trying to take it apart, um, just the idea of finishing was so important. How do you go about your writing process when you're developing ideas? How do you how do you do that? I, I usually come up with a, a situation or a character in a situation. And how do you move forward from that point? I have a big whiteboard and I use that and I'm constantly using craft paper. I'll stretch that mm-hmm. out on the counter or the, and I draw it out. And, mm-hmm. and I have my characters and my stock characters who are always there. So they have humor and one's a foil and you know, they, they're different support characters. So they're there, but then it's like, okay, what do I want to put in this one? And how is it going to happen? And then I, I do keep a character list with a character Bible mm-hmm. of who was in the last book and what color their eyes were and what color the car was. And so I'm not switching things back and forth because I have done that before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or I've changed names in the middle of the book and my readers are my beta readers are like, who's Patricia? I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> Never mind. She's not Patricia anymore. <laughs> so it, it, it takes a lot. I, I do plot. Sometimes it takes me two or three weeks and I'm constantly keeping ideas because I'll see a story idea or there'll be something on television or a newspaper. I mean, something like, oh, a suitcase full of bones washed up on shore. What would happen if, hmm, whose bones are they? <laughs> <laughs> and how did it happen to wash up instead of getting filled with water and sink to the bottom? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so you have a, you have a standard team. Uh, for your that revolves around your protagonist how did you develop that team uh, did they just pop out or some of them did to... yeah and they developed their own little personalities mm-hmm. I had my sleuth and I needed her to have a job that she could kind of leave a lot I mean mm-hmm. if she ran a restaurant or a store and she was constantly running out and solving crimes the business would fail so she had to, she has an aunt that helps her and she has an intern that comes in so they're pretty stock characters uh, and then there's a boyfriend who's her maintenance guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, it's a campground in near Charlottesville, Virginia. And she and her father uh, refurbished vintage trailers while he was still alive. So it's now for glamping. And then her boyfriend builds tiny houses. So she has tiny houses and these vintage trailers for mm-hmm. uh, nice, wonderful camp. Because my husband does the camping where you hang the food in the tree. And I'm like, Mm-mm, no, 
He's like, you want to go? I'm, no, that's okay. I have to have a door and a bathroom, Wi-Fi, yes. <laughs> air conditioning. Yes, yeah. Air conditioning is a big thing down here right now. So oh, I have okay. 90 degree temperatures uh, constantly, and I'm thinking, okay, not going to venture outside at all. No, it's hot here too. It's, yeah. Yeah. So when you uh, did, did this uh, team develop during the writing of the first book or did you back up and say, okay, I need to have these people, they need to do this role. I need to have this foil. Um, and then you started writing or did you start writing and back up and say, wait a minute, I need somebody to fit into this spot. spot. A little bit of both. Sometimes I'll have two characters and I'll realize there's not enough for both of them to do. So they'll kind of merge into one mm -hmm. or it's a small town. So there are townspeople around tangentially and sometimes they pop in their different shop owners. The ones that had more personality seem to hang around and pop back in more frequently. I've learned if the first couple of novels I did not outline. I just wrote, mm -hmm. wrote and wrote and rewrote and rewrote. Mm -hmm. I've gotten better with, if I outline it and do a pretty good 25 to 35 chapter outline, mm -hmm. I know who's, who's in the book and I know what's going to happen and I know where the red herrings go and right. So that helps, that helps me a lot. Now other people are pantsers and they do much, much better free form, but well, I do I, have characters that pop in free form. <laughs> to uh, the first um, historical suspense and mysteries that I wrote, I tried to block out my scenes, what I thought was going to be the scenes. And that worked really well for like seven books. And then all of a sudden I got stuck and I couldn't go any farther. And it, it bothered me so much. Um, and it took me like three months to get over that hump. Um, and how I did it was basically I dreamed about a character talking to me who had just been a minor character. And the next night I wrote a scene with him. Um, and then I backed up and took a hold of another scene that had been really boring and flat and I put it in his voice and all of a sudden it had a lot of more energy. And so I did that. And so now I might sketch a few details. Um, I might know all of my suspects and my red herring clues and my real clues and that kind of thing ahead of time. And I know who my characters are but I don't go any farther. I don't block out any scenes. I don't say this is going to be anything. Uh, is that sort of what you do? Mm -hmm. it, it's more like bullet points, mm -hmm. but I can turn it into a synopsis when I'm finished because the dreaded synopsis takes me forever to write for some reason. So if, if I have a starting point, at least I can go, okay, that's 20 pages. It only needs to be two. <laughs> Here you How do you know? Well, you know, when you come to the completion of a book, you, you know that I've got that one down pat, although sometimes I write past it and realize, wait a minute, you wrote too much, you had me back up. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you how do you make the decision that this is, I've got it as far as I can take it. Um, and here it goes to, do you have like beta readers that you send it to? I, do, I, do. I think you mentioned them, yes. Mm -hmm. I have a critique group, which is fabulous. It's with my sisters in crime group. Mm -hmm. And we meet once a month and read 50 pages. So they're not reading the whole book. Right. So I do have a couple of beta readers that'll read it end to end like a reader would and just mm -hmm. give me feedback because you're right. I mean, there's, and I have a problem of starting too soon. I'll start yeah. it and tell some backstory and it's like, no, you really need to start chapter three should be chapter one. 
-hmm. and I've had to do that a couple of times to cut the first couple of chapters. So how do you know in yourself that this is, it's time to, to move it on to the next stage? It's usually if I'm bored with it or I'm thinking, well, oh, a reader's going to be bored with it. If I'm kind of just trying to hurry this along and move it along. Mm -hmm. So it's like, all right, what am I missing? Is there, do we need some more action? Is there mm -hmm. more suspense? And there's a little bit of romance, but not a lot. And mm -hmm. I have one beta reader that wants more romance. That's what she tells me all the time. <laughs> more romance. Um, so when you get your um, manuscript back from your beta readers and you fix the things uh, for them, um, uh, is your, well, let me back up. Before you send it to your beta readers and you have finished your manuscript and you've gone through and you think you've taken care of all your plot holes and your character discrepancies and that kind of thing. How big of a project is your revision? You have a first draft and then you can go through and start yanking things and putting things in. Mm -hmm. Is it massive? The, yeah, the critique group and the beta readers don't get it until it's about the eighth or ninth version. So I've really gone through it. Mm -hmm. Because I've, and even then, I'm amazed that they'll find something. She ate lunch twice in this chapter. Or, <laughs> you know, why did she, you know, she hasn't eaten in four chapters. Does she not eat or you know, things like that? It's like, oh, well, she got busy. So I'll have to fix that. Right. Okay. How do you go about making sure that you've got humor during the course of your cozy? Because that's, that's just why I don't do cozies, because I don't really do humor very well on the page. <laughs> My life is pretty much a sitcom, so yeah, stuff happens, <laughs> or uh, or things will strike me as funny, and I'll, I'll write it. Nobody is safe at work or home or church because they'll <laughs> tell me a funny story, and I'm like, oh, I have to use that. That is so funny, or I could figure out a way to to bring that in, or and a lot of times it's dialect because you'll hear the way people's idioms and phrases and yeah. things they learn from their grandmother, and it's like, oh, that's awesome for a southern speaker, or. Mm -hmm. I, I don't write Northern speakers well, so I do have to get my husband and friends to help me out. Would somebody from Boston say this? Or what would they call? In the mm -hmm. South, I would call it this, but what would you call it? Then? Right. So, right. It's fun. Okay. So have you ever sent a manuscript in um, to your publisher and they send it back and they say, okay, this it needs to do this it, or it needs to have this or this is not quite working. And how do you handle that kind of situation? Not really, because by the time they get it, it's mm -hmm. gone through my critique group. Well, first my 150 revisions, the critique group, the beta <laughs> readers, and then I've got some writer friends that'll read it for me. Mm -hmm. My agent or her intern will read them and critique it. And then it goes to the editor. So, I mean, there are changes and there are a lot of suggestions of, you know, try it this way or too much dialogue here or things like that. But that's, I have that one editor tell me to, to cut the first two chapters and start with chapter three. But that okay. was like the major overhaul. Not really. Okay. I haven't had anybody go, oh, no, start over. <laughs> Which that's good. <laughs> that is good. That is good. Um, tell me about how you um, write uh, when you're sitting down to write and you're do you start with a little checklist or a jot list of what you want to have happen in mm -hmm. that scene based mm -hmm. on what planning and plotting you've done before? Mm -hmm. 
And so you really don't face the blank page and, and worry about the blank page aspect of it? No, that's never really bothered me. The problems I had when I was trying to pants it mm -hmm. was I would get to chapter 20 and go, what do I do now? Where does it go? Um, Who's the killer? And then I would rationalize, well, that he could be the killer, or maybe it's this person, or maybe they work together. <laughs> I do better if it's, it's plotted out. Mm -hmm. And then I have a, because I'll sit down for my hour or two or three hours session. And I'll say, okay, this is what happens. She's in the store today and this package arrives or whatever. And then, and I may not know what's in the package when I made the notes, but you know, mm -hmm. by the time I write the chapter, I'm like, oh, what can we put in this box? Or who would send her this crazy package? Or So you have surprises in your writing that comes up constantly. I try to. Yeah. And her, I like to theme her camper, her vintage trailers. So that's a lot of fun. I, I spend hours doing that because there's an Elvis <laughs> one and there's a Beatles one and there's an Area 54 and there's one with flowers. And then the tiny houses are all done for authors. So she's mm -hmm. got a Harry Potter one and a Wizard of Oz one. And there's little features in them. Like the Wizard of Oz has a revolving bookcase because it's a tiny space. So you have to right. share and keep things uh, compact. Mm -hmm. So she's decorated one side black and white. And then when you flip it, it changes to books that are in color. So that just, that was my little tribute to the movie in the 1950s version <laughs> yeah although i can remember in i had seen it on my parents black and white television i never realized it changed color until <sighs> i was in college and and my friend was talking about them like no it's black and white and she says i know it changes to color so we sat down and we watched it um and i'm going like oh this is fantastic <laughs> i know i was like this is and that's my favorite movie and so I, I will find things like that in pop culture and say okay we need a an elvis camper we need a barbie camper we need you know. <laughs> so how did you come up with um the the idea of the glamping is your niche in the in the cozy marketplace how, how did you land there in in this idea of camping glamping uh she needed a job well she's there all the time so it's a resort and people come and go and it's a small little town so there's a mm -hmm you know, an audience of people that, or a group of people that live there. And I thought, I could showcase Virginia. We can, glamping I can deal with. I, I'm not real, you know, a tent camper. That's, that's not my thing. But mm -hmm. I am interested in the yurts and the tree houses and the real fancy things. Mm -hmm. And she has lots of parties. They have wine tastings and girls weekends. And so it's always fun to, to plan those in the book as she's planning them. But my aunt and uncle owned a campground up in Charlottesville, Virginia, back in the 70s. Ah. Mm -hmm. And it was really rustic, but I, it was so much fun. I had never been camping before. Mm -hmm. and it had a game room and a stream and you know, we got to eat food. We cooked on the fire and that, it, it was just an event. It was magical. So that's going to be the kind of job. And then she's there all the time, but she can leave if she needs to, if she needs right. to. They're not tied down to one particular spot the way a baker is or something like that. Um, do you have all of your murders in and around the campground in the small town or does she ever go to other places? Uh, the first few were on the grounds. There were a couple mm -hmm. in town. And then the, I've just finished book four. And there's, I don't know if you're familiar with Charlottesville, Virginia, but as you go 
over the mountain on 64 to Charlottesville. There's an abandoned hotel motel site that's been there since the 70s and it's just, it's fallen apart, it's scary. So I've got some paranormal explorers staying in her campground. And when they're up there, that's where they find the body. So it's not quite at the campground, but it's still affiliated with her guests. Right. I'm right. branching out a little bit. <laughs> Can't kill too many people in the same town or it's going to become the murder capital really fast. <laughs> okay. You've talked about um, writing 1,000 words per session mm -hmm. where you try to do that and that you try to do it in the morning and finish it at night. Mm -hmm. How do you maintain your motivation? Because um, there were times during COVID when I just did not want to write. Um, I was perfectly healthy. It just, it was like this huge vacuum in my head that did not want to go forward. So how do you get past times like that? It, I committed to, because my company went um, remote during right. I saved about two hours a day commuting by right. working from home. So I promised myself I was going to use that two hours and my lunch hour every day to write and mm -hmm. to see how far I could get. And that was the first year that, you know, 2020 and 21, I finished three books each year. So right. like, hey, I can do this. I can really do this if I commit. So I know I have to stay on a schedule. If I'm going to, after the book is planned and outlined, I do a thousand words every day mm -hmm. or 3000 on the days that I'm off like weekends or holidays. And I try to stick with it. I mean, there are birthdays and there's holidays and things mm -hmm. like you know, stuff gets in the way, but that's okay. I, I try to, all right, we're going to have a skip day. Or if I'm really ambitious, I'll try to make that up or, you know, right. do the words ahead of time. Mm -hmm. I'm an IT manager in my day life and I used to be a project manager. So my life has always been structured, <laughs> scheduled. I do have to schedule everything. Right. right. I find that helpful to know that I'm going to, like today, I mean, that I was going to have our interview this afternoon. So I was trying to get things set up for this morning where I wouldn't be carrying over into the afternoon to work on this. Um, because one glory is I'm retired. Finally. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> but you know, on day, like I'll take a week off to work on a manuscript and mm -hmm. I'm terrible. I'll sleep late. <laughs> you know, we'll binge watch things on TV. We'll go out to lunch and go shopping. And then it's like, I didn't write today. That's not good. <laughs> when, I, when I first retired, staying in creating a schedule. Schedule so mm -hmm. that could work solely on the writing was really, really hard, but it's so helpful. It's so that idea of what is that saying? Plan your work and work your plan. Work your I plan. have found that so helpful. Um, and that planning means success that I will get where I need to be. Um, do you ever do challenges or anything like that to help you? I tried the Nano Panorama. Thank you. And it is wonderful. People that do it swear by it, but I was so stressed out. It was, it, I didn't write well because I was so stressed trying to get my however many words a day in. I did the one over the summer and that was a little more relaxed. It wasn't every day in November. Yeah. So I kind of play along and follow, but I, I don't commit to it because that, did, that one stressed me out. <laughs> well, it's really hard to get 50,000 words in, yes. in one month. And you miss once and all of a sudden it's like 
per day, it's like 1,666 words. Uh, and that's a so lot. Did, did they done? Doing more than 3,000 words to, in a session to get over what you've missed. Yeah. And so that was that was really hard. Um, but some one, people love it and swear by it. I mean. Well, one year uh, I worked, uh, I you know, was going to participate in a, a group that's local. Um, and a lady in there says, I have one nano seven years in a row. And I says, oh, you've got seven books published. And she said, no, I haven't published any of them. And I go, what is she doing with her manuscripts then? Does she just tuck them away in a drawer and move on? Um, so I, I suppose I have to have a more tangible goal uh, than that. Me too. But I don't like looming deadlines either. So I, I'm, I've got the calendar out when I get the schedule and the contract when they're due. It's all plotted out, and I try to have them written way ahead of time just for sanity's sake. <laughs> do you only market for new books that are coming coming out, or do you work on your backlist, or how do you how do you juggle that? I, I do both. Um, my agent has picked up my first series, mm -hmm. and she has sold the audio rights to that, and she sold the book club. And now she's looking at foreign rights on that. So that's kind of brought new life to that series. So I wrote another, I wrote a fourth book in that series. Mm -hmm. And so it's fun to go back between because the sassy PI gets in way more trouble than I do. I mean, I would run from blood and a dead body. <laughs> yeah. She runs toward it. So, and then she gets herself in these little situations where eh, you probably should have thought that one through, but she's fun. It's good to have that um, and to think of that. What do you think is your best writing tool? Some people have talked about spreadsheets. Mm -hmm. Some people, uh, one person mentioned note cards. Um, another person mentioned Scrivener. Um, I don't use any of the computer tools. I, I do use a spreadsheet for my character list. And I have recipes in each book, so I, I keep straight which recipes went with what book and what characters were added in each series. I like my whiteboard. I, it's big and it's on the wall and I had to be careful because I was plotting something and one of my staff members, we were having a meeting and I forgot the camera was pointing to it. And he said, does that say murder? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> I need to move the camera. <laughs> But I, I do like my I can think and but I use post-it notes and notebooks and whatever's handy. I mean, I draw on every, you know, scribble and write down ideas. Do you do anything to keep yourself fresh with your writing? The, the different change-ups or, or any creativity exercises or anything like that? I get I mean, I'm not a great cook, but I will try different recipes and I was kind of doing that during the pandemic we would do different recipes once a night or we would find a craft project or something that was different and mm -hmm. that, that's a recharge and uh, we live in a community that has a lot of hiking trails and the lake is over here so there's kayaking and so we try to go out and do some walks and things like I'm bad about that I've, I live in almost paradise and it's like it's outside go outside <laughs> But it's summer right now, and it's about 98 degrees. So Yeah, I'm 30 minutes from Cades Cove, which is really, really nice. But you're right, it's summer right now, and so it's really hard to go out walking and hitting like a trail at Tremont or Elkmont or something like that. 
uh, because it's just, I swelter so much, but I really enjoy it. Um, yeah, fall will, fall will be nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm always looking forward to fall. Uh, but my summer. sisters in crime group has been great and um, Mystery Writers of America and all James River Writers, they have a lot of different programs. And mm-hmm. so our chapter especially has a lot of law enforcement. And I recently graduated from the FBI Citizens Academy. That was fun. And I got to you know meet FBI agents and find out what they do. And they took us to the range and they blew up a pipe bomb for us and all kinds of things. So it was fun. <laughs> So physical exercise, physical activity, and uh, trying new things, uh, and trying to learn new things things. uh, that you wouldn't think about being needed to learn. Uh, We are coming to the end. Uh, I think we have, um, it says there are seven minutes, but I doubt that because (laughs) it has come up and quit on me a couple of times uh, during the course of this summer of interviews. Is there anything that I have not asked you about that you wanted to talk about? Did you want to show us any of your books or anything like oh, that? Okay. This is the uh, the Delaney Fitzgerald PI series. Whoops, mm-hmm. it's better. It's glare on it. And this is the first one in the Jules King glamping series. And oh, well, Jack, I- Rus- Jack Russell Terrier. So she's in the, in the picture. So gotta have dogs. But I think if I were a new writer or beginning over again. I would know that writing is a business and that agents and editors and publishers think of it that way. It's not that you have a bad idea. It's just they already have one or something like it, or Mm -hmm. they don't think they can sell it. And markets change. So, you know, vampires were in and now it's werewolves. It might be something else next week. But be persistent and keep at it. And you have to develop a thick skin, which... I was really surprised, but it, it helped. The first time I went to critique group, it was traumatic. Oh, they didn't call my baby pretty. Wait a minute. They, they, wait a minute. they, had, they had points to fix, <laughs> but they're right. And if it bothers them, then it would bother readers. So uh-huh. it took a while to go, oh, <laughs> they gave me a lot of feedback. <laughs> so you can't look at it as your manuscript is my precious. No, uh, I mean, it is. Have- yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they're funny. Did you yeah. need to have her eat lunch twice in this chapter? <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> uh, we'll go to dinner the second time. <laughs> I want to thank you, Heather, so much for volunteering this. Thanks for listening to The Rock Focus, a podcast for writers at all levels, hosted by Emma Lee from Writers Inc. Books, assisted by Remy Black and Edie Runes. Our focus is productivity, process, craft, and tools. Music is licensed through Audio Jungle called Background Music Loop. Its creator is Alexander Polishchuk, known on Audio Jungle as Plastic 3. The music comes in different iterations. Show notes and resource links for this and other episodes can be found at the rightfocus.blogspot.com. Write to us at winkbooks at aol.com when you have questions, comments, and speculations. We will try to answer you as quickly as possible. By the way, we will not mind your email address. That's rude. If you find value in our content, share with your writing friends or write a review. We're small beans here without the advertising budget of the big peeps, and you can make a difference. And whatever occurs, write on.